0: this edition of Emerging Daily.
1: Tonight, I really want to talk about the fire of God, the fire of God and its purpose in your life and in my life. What is this revival fire that we sang about a while ago? Is it some tingling sensation or is it a cleansing that God's wanting to bring us through? How does this take place and what is the purpose of it in your life? The resurrection life of God is on the inside of us, but until we die to those areas of our life, until we allow the baptism of fire to have its work in us, we will never inherit it. We will never experience it. The discipline of God is not just because we're doing wrong, it's because He's wanting to form us more into His image. Just like a potter with clay, and he has to squeeze it with his hands to form it like He wants it to be. The experiences of your life are the forming of God to make you a vessel worthy of His glory. For the things of God to be real in this natural realm in your life, You have to experience it. You have to walk it out. It has to be made flesh. The Word must be made flesh in you. Just as much as it was made flesh in Jesus, it has to be made flesh in your life. That is what all that is happening in your life is working for. That's the good that it's working for. The formation of Christ's image in you fully. If you remember in Peter he said, the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. For what? Forming Christ in your life.
2: This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action.
0: Do you like to shop online for either yourself or for gifts for others? Do you like the convenience of shopping online, but also like to help support local shops and retailers? What if you could do both? Check out Bellsgiftsandmore.com. Bales Gifts and More is locally owned and operated, based just outside of Nashville in Lebanon, Tennessee. They have men's and women's clothing fashions and accessories, wallets, handbags, watches, jewelry, books, media, home and office items, electronics, and more, all at great prices. And they add new items to their inventory almost every day. So go to BalesGiftsAndMore.com and use promo code EMERGE when you check out to get an additional 10% off your purchase, excluding sellout. That's BalesGiftsAndMore.com. welcome you once again to the Emerging Daily Podcast. I'm Scott Fisher. On today's edition, we are listening to a message that I gave several years ago at a church in Lebanon, Tennessee that I was pastoring at the time called the Ark of Lebanon. Uh, This is actually from our midweek Bible study. The church was a charismatic, full gospel, non-denominational type church. Uh, And so you'll see that some of Some of the ways I was teaching, I was doing so in a way to be able to make it to where everybody could receive the message. And and even some of my my beliefs have even changed over the years and evolved. Uh, As I've grown spiritually, grown closer to the Lord, grown in my understanding, our beliefs need to be somewhat flexible. We don't need to allow someone else to change our beliefs, but we do need to make our beliefs subject to our understanding. And and ignorance is not a virtue. We need to grow in our knowledge, grow in understanding, and grow in wisdom in the Lord. And so you'll see that some things um, are a little different then than now as far as the way I teach and what I teach. But the gist of this message, I believe, will bless you. It will hold true, irregardless of beliefs and doctrines. It will hold true in that God will bring us through fiery times in our lives, and if if God, if Spirit is the potter and we are the clay, then it is necessary to go through the furnace at times in order to make us that vessel that we need to be, and so that's what this message is dealing with, and I believe you'll be blessed by it. I never
1: really know exactly what to talk about, because I always want to bring something that's going to apply to you where you are, where you live, where you're at today in the now, right now. And so I could prepare a really nice sermon. I'd rather give you a fresh word, and it might seem a little all of a sudden, but I'd rather it be that way and it be applicable to your life than to give you some illustrious sermonette. That when you leave here, you're thinking, well, what did he say? So tonight, I really want to talk about the fire of God. The fire of God and its purpose in your life and in my life. So let's start with a a real familiar passage in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This, of course, is talking about the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 1 it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. In verse 3, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and set upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But it says that the, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, set upon each of them. What was the purpose? What is the fire? What was it then? What is it now? It... A lot of people say, well, the fire of God is this tingling sensation that goes on in you when the Lord is moving in your life. And I can understand where they can get that. And I do believe that the Lord can move in your physical being to such a uh, degree that you can feel it tangibly, filtering through the very nerve endings of your fingers. I've experienced it. I know that the Lord can do that. But I know there's more to it than that. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah here has a similar experience. Now, to give you a little bit of background about what happened in Acts while you're turning to Isaiah, they had been in one court in one place praying. They were seeking the face of God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 6, we see here that Isaiah has a vision of God. And beginning in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train, or his glory, filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now listen to verse 5. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts, then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongue from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this has touched thy lip, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And then he goes on to say about his calling. But I want to look at and focus on the fact that he took this live coal, which was fiery, full of fire touched his lips with it. What was the purpose of it? Was it to give him some great sensations? Oh, look, my lips are tingling. No. It was to cleanse him. It was a cleansing fire. What is this revival fire that we sang about a while ago? Is it some tingling sensation or is it a cleansing that God's wanting to bring us through for the purpose of showing his glory in our lives? That's what I want to talk about. The preacher in me really wants to preach this out, but I want to teach. I really want to teach this. So let's just try to lay some foundations here, but turn Back to the New Testament, Matthew. I love to you let the Scripture interpret itself. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is on the scene and he's he's preaching in the wilderness at the River Jordan. And in verse 7 we see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees come and he begins to preach to them, giving them a message that more or less, you're not really coming to hear the voice of the Lord, you're really just coming to see what it is I'm doing and why people are drawn to me. Because they were really jealous of him. Because he had something they didn't. What was it? It was the Spirit of God moving on what he said because he was moved by the Spirit and not by tradition, not by the law as such. He was moved by the Spirit of God. And if you look down at verse 11, this is John and he's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he says, I indeed baptize you with water until repentance. Talking Really, he's talking to the whole crowd of people there, but he began by talking with the Pharisees and Sadducees in verse 7. I baptize you with water until repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now he explains what he means by this in the next verse. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. Now that is baptizing, baptism, in the Holy Ghost whose fan is in his hands, he will purge his floor. What is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost comes from the same word It means breath or wind. Breath or wind. What does the fan do? It creates breath. It creates wind. So his fan, the purpose of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, is to purge his floor. To separate you unto the Lord. To purge you. To separate. Cause the separation in your life of the things of God From the things of the world why do we get baptized in the holy spirit what is the purpose of it all it's to purge us but then he says he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire that's the baptism baptism with fire we don't like that we cry out for it but when it comes we don't want it what is this baptism of fire it is him burning up the chaff in our lives The baptism in the Holy Spirit, He's separating and really sanctifying, causing areas of our lives to be holy that are being separated unto Him. The areas that we've dedicated to Him, He fills those areas with His Spirit just as if I took this cup and filled it to overflowing with water. The entire space that's available to that water will be filled. But if I had a divider in here and poured that water in the part of it, the part on the other side of the divider would be empty. Now, what is he doing? The part, he's separating us. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. What is that sword? It's the word of God. He wants to separate in our lives those areas for himself. Even the areas that we don't want to give to him, he wants to to do something with us. And what does he do with it? If we won't separate it unto him, he burns it with an unquenchable fire. And that is a baptism in fire. How does it happen? What is it all about? How does this take place and what is the purpose of it in your life? If you will look at Peter, First Peter, baptism of fire, very important in our lives. It's not just something that we want to skip over as, as we often do because I think that that is one of the areas that the Lord is getting ready to bring us in, into and through. Not only this group, but the church in general. But the baptism in fire. First Peter chapter 1. We'll start with verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, let's stop right there. Where is this inheritance and when do you get it? Do you receive an inheritance after you die? No. You receive an inheritance when someone else dies. Is that right? So who died? Where is this inheritance? Where is the kingdom of God? It's in you. This is where he's talking about. He's, he's reserved in you by his spirit. He has treasures within earthen vessels. You are that vessel. And that treasure is hidden in you. So we have an inheritance. We don't often like to think about it this way, but part of our inheritance is this very flesh and bone body, this very valley between these two ears right here. All of this is an inheritance that should be incorruptible. And as we press into it and allow God to change us and baptize us with His Spirit and with His fire, we inherit the land. Just as the Israelites did when they crossed the River Jordan and entered in, they inherited the land. Do you inherit the land after you die and go to heaven? No. You inherit it now in this time. Who are kept by the power of God, verse 5, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, he's getting ready to reveal the fullness of his salvation. This is the last time. He's getting ready to reveal. Paul said in uh, Romans 8 that the whole earth groans and travails for the manifestation of the sons of God. He's getting ready to reveal the fullness of his salvation. Jesus was that in one man. He's getting ready to do it in a body, in a group. And he's even doing it now as we press into him. Verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, listen to this, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Him appearing in the clouds? No. Him appearing in you that's where he's trying to appear. That's where he's wanting to show forth who he is, what he is to this to this world. And he's doing it in you. He's talking about him appearing in you. If you look it says in verse 9 receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Your mind, will and emotion, the part of you that makes you you. Your spirit gives you life, but your soul is what makes you unique. And unless that is saved fully. Your life is not fully saved. Yes, you'll die and go to heaven. Yes, all that's true. But in this life, you will not receive your inheritance. You don't, we need to quit looking off into heaven to receive what God is willing to bestow and has bestowed upon us even now. But it takes, it takes both of these baptisms to inherit that. Because what is taking place in your life is of God. Now I want to share Things with you that we're not going to turn all the way through the scriptures. But if you remember, Joseph in the Old Testament went through many fiery trials. I mean, he was, his brothers cast him into a pit, they sold him into slavery, and then he ended up in Potiphar's house. His wife uh, tried to do lewd things with him, and he wouldn't give in, and so she had him kept in the prison he was in there for a while he interpreted some dreams and then he told him, I hey, don't forget about me when you get out, but yet they did and still his mind stayed on the Lord. His focus remained on God. Then when he finally interpreted the Pharaoh's dream and showed him what was going to happen, he became the second in command. He was set on a throne at the right hand of Pharaoh. When all that had happened and and finally his brothers came, and they, there was a famine in the land, you know, I, I don't, some of you may know the story, some of you may not, so we'll go through it. But there was a famine in the land, his brothers came to get food, they thought he was dead, they didn't know what had happened to him. They didn't even recognize him, but he recognized them. So, to make a long story short, he finally revealed to them who he was, but he said something that was really unique, he said, listen, You might have meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. What has taken place in your life, Satan may mean it for bad. Demons of hell may mean it for bad. The person at work that did it to you, or your family member that did it to you, is not your enemy. The enemy is the thing within yourself that God's trying to get rid of through this thing you're going through. And yes, God is in control. We don't want to admit it. We think that if God is so in control and God loves us so much, He don't want us going through this stuff. Yes, He does. For a purpose for a purpose. I want you to look at a place in Isaiah, back in Isaiah, chapter 54. And I don't I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's a very powerful scripture. Isaiah 54, you've probably heard verse 17, and I'll read it to you first. No weapon, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn or put to shame. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. But look at verse 16. Have you ever looked at verse 16? Let's look at that. And I'll guarantee you, if you have a Bible that has any references to this, you have one of the very few. Because I've looked in several Bibles, and even in my, uh, my computer programs, and there are no specific references to the last phrase of verse 16. And it is Scripture. It is in the Word. And we'll read it. Verse 16 of Isaiah 54. Behold, I have created the smith that blows the coals of the fire. Now remember what John the Baptist said. He wasn't creating scripture. He was preaching scripture. I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire and that brings forth an instrument for his work. Listen to this. And I have created the waster to destroy. I have created the waster to destroy. Some modern theology will tell you that that doesn't really mean he created him. That means that he allowed him to be in order to destroy No, I looked this word up. It means create. The very same word that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very same Hebrew word here. Very same word. It means create. He created the waster to destroy. What is, his, what is he wanting to destroy? He is trying to destroy that part of you that you keep hanging on to that God is trying to get rid of. Satan was created to destroy And it's time that we realize what's taking place in our lives. We are experiencing in our lives a baptism of fire that we cry for Sunday after Sunday. We have prayer meetings about, but when God gets ready to move in our lives, we say, "Ouch! no, I don't want it. Give me the easy way. And we wander in the wilderness for the rest of our lives. We never inherit the promises. God is wanting a people that will press beyond the pain, beyond the cross, for the resurrection life. And you will never have it until you experience the cross. Never. That's the only time. You said that Jesus endured the suffering, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. Realize that the joy that is set before you right now is not off in heaven somewhere, off on another planet after you die or after you get raptured or whatever it is that you see. He's here now. That he's wanting to give you this joy set before you. But you have to experience some things to get there. You have to be willing to press beyond the veil, as we've talked about before, to go into the Holy of Holies, even if it means dying, to get there. Because, listen, you couldn't just walk in there. But are you willing to go anyway, even if it means part of you dying? Why couldn't nobody go beyond the veil? Because of their sinful flesh. Because of their sinful flesh. But, listen, if you'll press on beyond that and not worry about God destroying your sinful flesh... He will, but you'll rise out of the ashes triumphant over the world. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And yet his kingdom was never established in the natural. And he said this before they even crucified him on the cross. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And yet, right after he said that, they crucified him. Was he lying? No, he was telling a a profound truth that we still don't understand. Because the world that he overcame was the world within himself. The influence of all the things around him. The influence of of the Pharisees and scribes, Sadducees, the influence of the the crowd that didn't even have anything to do with God, the influence of his parents, the influence of his brothers who thought he was crazy for ministering, and who later even became an apostle the the brother James it says in in the scripture that they thought he was mad, and they tried to get him to come home when he was out. Preaching the Word. He had to overcome all those obstacles that would have deterred him from God's purpose. Remember what we define sin as. Anything that's less than, that falls short of the glory, the plan, the ability to be recognized as God in your life. Okay? Anything that will cause you, when God looks at you, not to be able to see himself. That is sin. Whatever it is. And his plan for you, whatever it is, Anything
0: that falls short of that is sin. Hey, I hope you're being blessed by our podcast today. We wanted to pause for just a second and remind you to please, when you get a chance, check out our website, emergenashville.org, or you can also go to emergingdaily.com, whichever one is easier for you to remember. Uh, but please check those out and read up on uh, our, our vision, our mission. Um, And how we're wanting to make an impact On our region and on the world Um, Pray about possibly being involved With what we're wanting to do Um, We're wanting to pretty soon start Within the next few weeks hopefully Start having some uh, worship and teaching times We'd like to do that in Lebanon and in Nashville We're still looking for some worship leaders and musicians So pray about all that And also pray about supporting this podcast if you would and thank you again for listening. And we'll get back to her message here in just a second. If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bale's Little Country Kitchen, located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bale's Little Country Kitchen is family-owned and operated and is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week. Up the Friday night, all you care to eat catfish dinner and fix and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, BellsLebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials, and even order delivery. That's BellsLebanon.com located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking.
1: He had to overcome all those obstacles that would have deterred him from God's purpose. Remember what we define sin as. Anything that's less than, that falls short of the glory, the plan, the ability to be recognized as God in your life. Okay? Anything that will cause you, when God looks at you, not to be able to see himself, that is sin. Whatever it is. And his plan for you, whatever it is, anything that falls short of that is sin. So Jesus had to overcome all those things because he could have fell short if he had set up an earthly kingdom in all of its glory, it would have been glorious. And he could have had a mighty army, but it would have been short of what God's plan was for his life. It would have been less than. God, does don't want you to have anything less than his perfect will. What is that will? For you to be like Christ, fully. Not even like he was before he died, like he was after the resurrection because we have that in us. The resurrection life of God is on the inside of us. But until we die to those areas of our life, until we allow the baptism of fire to have its work in us, we will never inherit it. We will never experience it. He created the waster to destroy. God is in control of your life. But we don't want to admit it. We don't want to submit to it. Listen, I've gone through some things, and I'm still going through some things. And it's to cause me to change because I'm not perfect and even though you might think some areas of your life have been already dealt with if if you're still experiencing some problems apparently you're not been fully dealt with or you wouldn't be experiencing these things or even if you've dealt with it maybe God wants to strengthen you in an area because whatever you're going through I guarantee you God is in control. Turn over to John where in John am I going, Lord? Okay, John 10. John 10:28. 10, okay, John chapter 10. Let's look at verse 22 and see what he, where he's dealing with here. It says, and it was John 10, 22, It was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and in the win- and it was winter. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long do you make us doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. And he said, I told you and you didn't believe me. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you're not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, are you in his hand? If you're in his hand, can God? Can anything enter into that hand that God doesn't know about or doesn't allow? No. If I hold this cup, I'll know everything that touches that cup that comes into my hand. Nothing can touch that cup unless I know about it and allow it. If you're in God's hands, and if you believe that you're in God's hands, nothing can touch you that God doesn't know about and that God doesn't allow. But what is the purpose of, the, of Him allowing it? Satan meant it for evil. God means it for good. Romans chapter 8. Flip on over there. My favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Romans 8. And you know this scripture, but I want you to look at it in reference to what we're talking about. Verse 26. says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Romans 8, 26. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now listen to verse 28. We know that all things All things, all things, all things, all things, all things, not just the things that you like, all things, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Are you the called? Are you being called to His purpose? Then all things in your life are working for good, whether you want to admit it, whether you like it or not. When you're in the army, you go through suffering, and we are in His army, and we have to endure the chastening of the Lord. Chastening is not just because you do something wrong. We have a misunderstanding about chastening. The purpose for chastening, and if you'll look it up, it means to teach with discipline. To teach with discipline. So the discipline of God is not just because we're doing wrong, it's because he's wanting to form us more into his image. It's like a potter with clay, and he has to squeeze it with his hands to form it like he wants it to be, the experiences of your life are the forming of God to make you a vessel worthy of His glory. Fit for the King's use. Now we have His righteousness in us, but we have to, to allow that righteousness to be revealed in our walk. It's a whole different thing to be seated with Christ in heavenly places spiritually than to have it working in us experientially. whole different thing. Because the minute you get born again, Spiritually, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. But to experience it, to walk it out, is a whole different thing. Jesus was the Son of God from the foundation of the earth. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, but he had to experience it in time, space and time. He had to experience it for it to be real in this, what we touch and feel, in this natural realm. For the things of God to be real in this natural realm in your life, you have to experience it. You have to walk it out. It has to be made flesh. The Word must be made flesh in you. Just as much as it was made flesh in Jesus, it has to be made flesh in your life. And this baptism of fire has to be experienced by you just as much as it was experienced by John the Baptist, when his head was cut off, just as much as Paul experienced it while he was sitting in prison, just as much as Jesus Christ experienced it on the cross, you have to experience it. Jesus said, I have a baptism which I must be baptized with. You can't experience it now, but you will after. After what? Well, after you've experienced the purging of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, then his fans, he separates, and then the parts of you that have not taken on the image of God in your life burn with a fire, that cannot be quenched until it is finished doing what it's doing in your life. You may experience something and that it may seem like that fire is over for a time. But if it hasn't done its job, you'll go through it again. I promise you. I know it from experience, you will. So we have to realize everything in our life, be it good, be it bad, is working for good, is working for good. I don't care what it is, if we believe the Word, if we believe God, and if we believe that we're in His hands, no matter what you're going through, you must have faith in God to believe that He is working good in those things. Nothing happens as a surprise to Him, and don't think that what you're experiencing is any surprise to Him either. He knew it. He knew what you were going to experience. He knew the choices you were going to make. And it's no surprise to him, just as much as it was no surprise to him when Adam and Eve did what they did. That's the reason Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, because he already had his plan in order. The plan he's got for you is in order. He has a vision, he has an image. It's his image. You know, we were created in the image of God. He had a vision of you, of what he wanted you to be and look like, and that was Jesus. It says here in verse 29 it says, For whom he did foreknow. He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is what all the good excuse me, all that is happening in your life is working toward. That's the good that it's working toward. The formation of Christ's image in you fully. Fully. If you remember in Galatians, Paul said that I travail in birth for you until Christ is formed in you. And these were born-again people. Christ was already living in them, but he hadn't been formed in them. That's the part of the baptism of fire. It's when the maker has begun forming you, what does he put you in? He puts you in a fire. The potter will put you in a fire. If God is the potter, if we are the vessel, we must go through the fire. There's no way around it. You must. And it's not just something to get you all excited and get tingling going on in your fingers and get your hair standing up. This is a fire that's willing, and this purpose, the whole purpose of it is to change you, make you like Christ. And if it takes you going through physical pain, if it takes you going through mental pain, if it takes you going through agonizing experiences in your life, then it's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God maimed and halt and blind than to not enter at all. It's better for you to enter in and to be like Christ sitting in a wheelchair than it is for you to walk around the rest of your life never encountering the Lord at all. Well, if we believe that, then we must also believe that as born-again Christians, we've already encountered God. We must begin to look like God. And if it means going through suffering in this life, for people to see Jesus in us, whatever that is, we must have faith enough to believe that it is God and He's working in our life. And the the thing that does come against us will not prosper. It will not stop the seed of God from birthing Christ in us if we have faith in that way. Now I'm not saying that I think God is trying out here giving you sickness and giving this and a disease and, and causing this one to be broke. No. But I am saying that the waster is out there trying to do that to you. But why? for the same reason that God allowed it to happen to Job, so that you can come through it as gold. If you remember in Peter, he said, the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. For what? Forming Christ in your life. So, what happened with Job? At the end of all things, he was blessed many times more abundantly than he ever was to begin with. So whatever you experience, and be it heartache, Be it uh, mental agony, be it uh, a broke pocketbook, whatever the pain that you're going through, realize God is working in that situation. And what is the purpose of it? It's to make you more like Christ. How you respond to these things that go on in your life, Do you sit around and lose hope and say, God, You know, I thought that you were moving, but you're not, and everything, all hell broke out against me, and I'm just going to sit here and die. No, we do like the lepers did. Say, Lord, why sit we here till we die? And let's get on with it. Let's do the things we know to do and keep our eyes on God instead of on ourselves. Instead of saying, Woe is me, why is this happening to me? Realize He is working, He is in control. The racer was sent in, He came in. His purpose was what? To get rid of the chaff. So anything that's been taken out of your life is chaff anyway. Sometimes we'll give it up quick. Let him him have it. Because God will abundantly give you back. What did he say? He said, no man has given up houses or lands or anything for my sake, but he will receive it with abundance now in this time. So whatever it is the waster is trying to take from you, if you'll focus on God and realize he is in control, And the waster can do nothing except what God knows about and what he allows. He's only trying to get rid of the chaff in your life anyhow. Let him have it and get on with it. Press on, press on, press on. Because he is wanting to raise up champions. And you can't know, you can't ever tell a testimony. You can never tell a testimony until you have a test. And everybody wants to oh, I wish I had a testimony like that. But then when you go through hell, you say, you know, God, I don't want this. Look at verse 32. Well, look at, let's look at verse 31. Romans 8. We'll close with this here. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can? Can the waster? Can Satan even be against us? No. He's working for good. He's an undercover agent, a, a double agent, working for God, and he don't even realize it. He can't be against us either. Everything he does in your life is for good, and he don't know it. The Bible says that if they knew what they were doing when they crucified Jesus, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They were working for God. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? All things. Even the bad things. Even the cross in your life. He will give you the cross. Who is it he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that has risen again. But he had to die first. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercessions for us. So then he goes on and says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Listen to this. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. Who is killing you? The waster. But what shall you do? You shall rise again. Because the resurrection, the resurrection is living in you. And he's wanting to burst forth in your life. But who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's talking about your love for Him. Because I guarantee you, tribulation is not going to stop His love for you. We all know that. That's a given. Distress can't stop His love for you. Nakedness can't stop His love for you. Famine can't stop His love for you. These are things that cause us to lose heart. These are things that cause us to stumble. These are things that are a stumbling block for us. Are we going to allow these to stop us from loving Him? No. We realize that in all things, we are as sheep led but to the slaughter, for one purpose, that he may increase and we may decrease. That he may be formed in us. That the chaff may be burned up. But then it will become forth as gold. So whatever you're going through tonight, in the rest of the week, when it seems like Satan is coming up against you, Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. But he didn't. And in your life, realize, Jesus said, agree quickly with your enemy. Who is your enemy? Satan. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Jesus never taught that your enemy was man. He always taught that an enemy was Satan and demons. So he said, agree quickly with your enemy. So when your enemy comes against you, you say, God is working on me. And he's trying to deal with me in some areas of my life. And so whatever you do, it will not prosper to kill me utterly. It will kill those areas of my life that God's trying to deal with. But I will come forth as gold. And let's be bold and stand up to this waster. Realize he's just an an agent. He's nothing special. He has no more power than what God allows him to have in your life. What do you tell him? You can do this to him, but you can't kill him. He has control. He is a dog on a leash. And let's realize it. And walk in that boldness. Walk in that strength because that will bring you forth. That will cause you to win. Keep that in mind when you're going through these trials at work and at at home and at the grocery store and wherever it is you go when hard times come or people talk about you or people do things to try to hurt you. Keep that in mind because he's just trying. God is allowing you to be strengthened in an area or causing death in an area. One of the two. If it's of him, it'll be strengthened. If it's not, he's trying to kill it. Commit to Him, to the Lord.
2: Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com And please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org, or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.